Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Here we go. Here we go, Melinda. Okay. A-U-N. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condon Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we're hunkered down here in Chicago, 17 degrees. Uh, we're expecting negative, uh, not just single digits, but, but below zero by this weekend. So, uh, uh, and this, this weather is going to head eastward for our guest tonight who just uh, in the pre-show told us about having twisters. Last week we had an old voice, Cameron Kirkconnell from the AFTF days. Tonight we have back Melinda Kula, the voice of, of justice for Joan Benet Ramsey, who's been on our call and presented uh, at least a few times over the last uh, two to three years. We're honored to have you back on, Linda. Uh, and there's been some misinformation, it sounds. Some, some stories have surfaced in the last uh, three to four weeks about Joan Benet Ramsey, and I'm sure you got the pulse of everything on top of that. And uh, Because you've got the goods. You've presented them on this show uh, at least two times in complete detail, uh, the evidence, the facts that you have proving who killed 
Joan Benet Ramsey, and it's a very striking, powerful story. Uh, not, not asking you to represent that tonight, but just provide an update. And uh, I'd love to have you uh, you're, you're to hear a, a good, familiar voice. Thank you, Melinda. Oh, so thank there's you my, very, there's, very there's my flag. There's my flag. The race is off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much, my darling. I, I want to let you know how important, please hear me, how very, very important your show is for launching, let's just say, trailers to other broadcasts, because your show has done so very, very well, to pursue the same information. And that's okay. It's okay for you to be the leader of the pack. You go, team. But what has happened because your show gathered all the information, pulled all the information out of myself and Dr. Melvin Laney and Douglas Millar and any of your other guests pertaining to this very subject, what has happened is I received a phone call from Thailand and three men mm-hmm. from Thailand, they, they took your information and they used it as a template for their two-and-a-half-hour broadcast covering everything that is on your show because what they said originally was they're called This Strange Life with Mikey, Willie, and Jimmy. Actually, it's Mikey, Jimmy, and Willie, This Strange Life. (laughs) Funny. If you Google, if you just simply Google This Strange Life podcast, Who Killed John Benet? you will then be able to see how your information repeated over a variety, a number of your shows, has meshed beautifully into what they recorded. You trained Okay, me- I, well, let, let, let's do this right now. I'm going to try this right now, and everyone uh, do follow this because this is a prime example of, of the little things that we do on this show do spread uh, the ripples effect uh, around the world. So let's type this into the search bar. What should I type in, Melinda? This, this Strange Life podcast, and the title of the podcast should be Who Killed John Bonet Ramsey? This life Strange Life pod podcast. I'm, I'm typing podcast. this in. Who Killed Who John Ramsey? Killed John Bonet Ramsey. John B E N E T Ramsey, okay, R A M S C Y, okay. Click. <clears throat> All right, so, uh, oh, John Benet Ramsey podcast, is that it? That's it. John Benet Ramsey podcast, 2018. That's it, June 2018. It's two and a half hours long covering all the information that you have gleaned out of Dr. Melvin Laney, Esquire, Douglas Millar, myself, and others about this very case. You were the training force for getting this information out there, and you, you please take a bow. All of you take a bow. She's going to have justice for the main fact that someone from Japan confiscated my website, com. Yeah, I couldn't to... find that. I couldn't find that this time. Oh, okay. Well, Japan has it. <clears throat> has it. Oh, my they gosh. Have, they have control over it. And that's okay because I'm a Polak. You cannot outsmart a Polak. So you okay. just can't. 
we okay. we find those little twists and turns. And what had happened is when I was contacted by American Investigative Society of Cold Cases, and they sent me information that basically that website, com, had been, let's just say, confiscated, pirated, thievery comes to mind. That's okay. That's okay. They wanted to, Japan wants to sell it back to me for $300 plus, and I said, no, thank you. There's another way um. to open... Oh, yes, that was nice of them. There was another way to open that door. So by calling Domain.com, in case any of you ever run into this for yourselves, if you contact Domain.com, they'll be more than happy for $12.45 give you a new website. So the new website, everyone, is John Benet's, with an S, truecasehistory.net, N-E-T, net, love it. Now, Wait a minute, this, John Benet's with an S, True Case History? Dot net. True Case History dot net. Okay, well, that's good to know. Okay, I'm, I'm clicking that on right now. And it should show up everything that we there have. It is. There it is. Okay, we're back in business. Okay, got it. In there business. you go, perfect. Now, I'd like to go backwards. I want to go backwards okay. today. Because we're going to cover one thing that I've been doing, uh, the group, um, and it's just aggravating the daylights out of me. So I'm going to share because I believe there's safe numbers. Right here in my own backyard, I live in Bayville, New Jersey. I lived for 21 years in Forked River, New Jersey. So I know all the snakes in the garden. In Forked River, New Jersey, there's a military family. This is absolutely mind-boggling, sad and despicable that a military family is living at 403 Nautilus Boulevard, Fort River, New Jersey. And right next door, right next door of this mother, military wife, her husband, and their two twin boys is a major meth lab. It's not, ladies and gentlemen, a meth lab. It is a major meth lab. How does one become Mm. a major meth lab? You contact code enforcement, you ask them to put up a second garage in a single family residential area, and they don't bother asking what you're going to do with the second garage, but I'll tell you, because I've been there. They're cooking out of the house, they're cooking meth out of both garages, because their clientele is blossoming through the roof, and the consequences Mm. are an epic, epidemic level of drug-related dead children. Now, you might want to ask, how do I know that? I spoke to the owner of Ryan's Funeral Home, his family member. They, in Ocean County, New Jersey, they have seven funeral parlors. And the family that owns those seven funeral parlors, sad to say, are doing nothing but burying drug-related dead children. And they're helping their through this terrible tragedy on a regular basis. It is so bad in Ocean County, New Jersey, as far as the level of corruption, and that's why that 405 Nautilus Boulevard, Fourth River, New Jersey, meth lab is cooking and has been cooking for the last number of years without police interference. It is because the Lacey Township in Fourth River, New Jersey, police are protecting the meth lab and the drug houses throughout that township and throughout Ocean County, New Jersey. Now you're there, you live in you live in Ocean County. Oh yes, sir. I certainly Ocean, do. Ocean, Ocean County, County, New Jersey. Okay. 
and I live in the neighboring suburb. Why we moved after 21, 22 years in Forks River, New Jersey, is I knew I had to do something about it because I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother, and this is shameful behavior, and it has to be stopped. So when there's one voice, they don't know how many other parents or grandparents are supporting that one voice. I'm just the face they see. So in the meantime, by taking my family and moving one town over, we are then able to say to the police chief, Mr. Nally, this has a, we have a major meth lab at 405 Nautilus. Maybe you could do something about it. The military family right next door, they're very ill. The husband yeah. is still in active duty. He's still protecting us after 30 years of service. He's now a captain in the Navy. While he's protecting us, no one is protecting his wife and his children from the criminals that are going in and out of that property like it was Macy's during Christmas. Mm-hmm. Today, hey, I, I have learned today by someone sending me an email and posting the information for my use, I have learned today that the Lacey Township Police are so very proud of themselves, and so are the neighboring police chiefs, because don't you know those three little angels of those three little police departments, you know the police chiefs, they captured two young men in hoodies who robbed cars during the night. Really, let me pat all three of you on the back, but did you miss the major meth lab at 405 Nautilus? Did you miss the other drug house on Beach Boulevard? Did you miss the other drug dealer right by Clue Park where there's grade school children and underage children? Did you miss all that? Because I know you have it since I sent it to you personally. That being said, when Nally, the police chief, was presented with an ultimatum because I went to certain senators, here in my state, since I couldn't get any help from the local police department, and I couldn't get any help from the prosecutor's office, which is kind of mind-boggling in itself, the senator promised me assistance within two weeks. What happened was within two days after my speaking to this individual, Police Chief Nally stepped down in what is called an uncelebrated exit. That means his hands got caught in a cookie jar. After he stepped down, within two days of my communication with the senator, within two weeks, 15 of that police chief's high-ranking officers not only stepped down but moved out of state. They went to the Carolinas, north and south, and they went to Florida. But they got out of New Jersey as fast as possible. 15 Wait of a them. minute. This is 15 of the Forks River police uh, the captains or? Uh, on the staff, 15 all at the same time? Yes. Yes, and and that's verifiable, not because Melinda said so. Oh, no, 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 no. Because the Star-Ledger looked into my repeated complaints to the editor of the Star-Ledger, who's local, that there is a serious problem in Ocean County, New Jersey. It is drug-related. It is a level of corruption that equals only Chicago, Illinois, which I am from, so I can say that. Number one in corruption is Chicago. Well, guess what? Ocean County, New Jersey is the number seventh most corrupt county, including all counties in all states in the United States of America. Ocean County is seven. 
Cook County, where my mother and father were slaughtered, is number one. So that being said, we have a clear understanding of what the problem is. The problem is corruption. Can it be addressed and can it be eradicated? Oh, you bet it can. Because in the Bible, it states very, very clearly about an elderly woman who continually went to an unjust judge. You know that whole story, family. What happened? Eventually she did get justice because she did not back down from this corrupt judge who had no mercy for what she was going through. So I took a lesson from that lovely woman. And I am the biggest pain in everybody's ruin until they turn around and remove these corrupt people. So think of it this way. For that major meth lab that is causing such toxic contamination throughout that neighborhood into the drinking water, by the way, and not being dealt with, that all being said, if we continually bring to light this particular location, we have already taken down one police chief, 15 high-ranking police officers. That leaves a small cesspool of officers, the original ones, from that same police department. So they put it out that outsiders could come and possibly put in an application to be the replacing police chief. That didn't happen because no one wants to be Inherit is a good word. No one wants to inherit a police department that has a history of corruption. So what they had to do, they had no choice. They took a few people, the one next ranking from the same cesspool. They made him a police chief. The military wife and I showed up at the police department, and we presented everything to one of their high-ranking remaining officers, We talked to him for an hour. We gave him proof. Every question he asked, we answered. The police chief was there but didn't have the backbone to come out and speak to us. So we spoke to one of his puppets. When we left, within a few days, that police chief stepped down. Okay, fine. Two down. See who's coming up next. They got another police chief, a replacement police chief from the same cesspool. He's in office as police chief. We waited a couple weeks in hopes that the young man we spoke to would help us because he said, I'm going to retire soon. There's nothing they can do to me. I promise I will help you, blah, blah, blah. What then happened is the third police chief, we showed up. He stepped down. And that officer that we spoke to for quite some time, military wife at my side, crying her eyes out about how bad things are and how their health is deteriorating, their lungs, both her children, herself, and her husband, how that is becoming a very serious problem. You can't repair lungs. You can repair your heart, but not your lungs. They're in trouble. Well, that man who promised to take care of it, because there was nothing they could do to him. He was going to retire within one year, and his, pa- his pension was guaranteed. That man's wife received a job at the local school. That same officer received a promotion and a raise, and that meth lab is still cooking today. So from the same cesspool, there is only one man left. Michael DeBella. 
this little Napoleon is now the police chief. I know him rather well. We had a meeting many, 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 many years ago when he was new to the police force. He pulled me over, and with my daughter in the car, and she was seven years old at the time, he said to me, you're speeding down the road, and I said, no, I'm not. We did not have to be at her school early that day because there was a party and they needed extra time to prepare for the party. In the meantime, my daughter, my seven-year-old little princess, is yelling at him, Michael DeBella, as a police officer, why are you lying about my mother? We weren't eating. And he said, this is between you, your mother and I. You need to sit there and be quiet. My daughter yelled again at him when he asked for my driver's license and all of that. Why are you lying about my mother? We weren't speeding. We had plenty of time. You're a liar. That's what a seven-year-old who speaks truth told that. Wow. Oh, (laughs) please. My children had a good leader, their mother. (laughs) So in the meantime, granted, you know, some might say she's being disrespectful. But I have taught my children, in order to give respect, you must earn respect. It's a two-way street. She saw him as being a liar and therefore not worthy of the uniform and certainly not in a position to pull her mama over when her mama was doing nothing wrong. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the new police chief. So what we have today, and I speak to the military wife, every single day, two, three times a day, she is in absolute tears because we cannot get them to take down a major meth lab, which can blow up at any given moment. If you know anything about meth lab, it only takes a spark. We contacted the internal affairs officer at the Ocean County Prosecutor's Office because I was told that was one of the steps we had to take since, in fact, we were not getting any cooperation from the local police in Lacey Township, and we did. We spoke to that internal affairs office. I myself was the first call for two hours. A woman who owns the business, whose father was a retired FBI agent, went over to that location and said, oh, yeah, it's a meth lab. I delivered merchandise to the military family, and I'm the one that informed her that's a meth lab because she threw her own brother in jail for cooking meth, thinking it was damaging other children. So she told him, stop, or I will have you arrested. He didn't stop, so she had her own brother arrested. That's how serious she is about anybody doing something illegal that will cause harm to children. In the meantime, she contacted the internal affairs officer in Ocean County, New Jersey, the very same one I spoke to, for another two hours, and the third phone call came in from the military wife, and she hit them with all the locations she knew where there were meth labs and drug houses throughout Ocean County that weren't being dealt with. Six hours of verbal phone testimony that was recorded. We were promised this was going to be taken care of. And do you know what happened next? Two, not one, two district attorneys stepped down from being DAs of Ocean County Prosecutor's Office, but you know what? Forgive me for putting it this way, screw ups, move up. Now, one's a judge, and the other one has a very powerful position in Tom's River. It's the very next town north of Lacey Township. So this is what happens when you try to get help from people who are not honorable. This is also, as I have said many times, the reason why we need term limits. 
to stop the snakes from cooperating with one another in our gardens. So as of this moment, that 405 Norris Boulevard, 4th River, New Jersey, major meth lab is cooking because they cook a larger batch, shall we put it that way? They cook a larger batch during the week, Friday, Saturday, for delivery on Sunday. All of this information is given to the proper authorities and many of them. But we have learned that the other authorities contact the police chief and ask him one question. Is there a major meth lab or a meth lab at 405 Nautilus that you should be dealing with? And he will say, nope, that's just a crazy lady living next door. They have a neighborhood dispute. And the idiots buy that story because police chiefs don't lie. Now remember that. Police chiefs don't lie. Let us move into the next case of police chiefs that not only lie, but they commit murder. This is about Walter and Dorothy Babbage, senior, who live in, lived, past tense, in the This is your, par- your parents, your parents. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, it's difficult for me to use that word when I'm talking know, about it. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, so it's case number four and five. Yep. So... Walter and Dorothy Babbage, 25-year-old, seriously disabled elders, seriously disabled. Dorothy would shuffle her feet because she could barely walk. Walter was missing his right leg from the knee down. He had crippling rheumatoid arthritis, and this is very important, in both of his hands. That means he couldn't even open his fingers. They were... They were literally, from the pain and agony, they were literally closed like um, incomplete fists is the way to, to, to word it, describe it. And he was restricted because of the missing right leg to the use of his wheelchair. But he had a gun collection from when he was young, when he was middle age. He had a complete gun collection. It included a few pistols, but it included a lot of shotguns in his youth. He enjoyed hunting. But as he got older, there was no time for that. He worked very, very hard in construction, raising his seven children and making sure Mama stayed home to take care of us while he worked and brought the bed and and earned money. In the meantime, what had happened is the police chief of the neighboring town, that police chief was their youngest son the youngest of seven. That police chief was not communicating with our parents for about two years. Whatever happened, I don't know, but something happened. I can tell you this, mom and dad were absolutely devoted to their children and all the other neighborhood children as well. If you needed something irrelevant as to their serious health issues, There is nothing they would not do for anyone. That's who they always have been during my entire life. But here they are during their wedding anniversary weekend, which is coming up, and they receive a phone call from Daniel Babbage, the Lyons, Illinois Police Department chief, in the very next town over, 17 minutes to 20 minutes away, depending on traffic. 
And this is an odd phone call. Daniel said to mom, who answered the phone, what are you doing during your anniversary weekend? What are you doing Friday? What are you doing Saturday? What are you doing Sunday? When are you leaving Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? When do you expect to return? Who's going with you, if anybody? Are you, take, are you taking public transportation? Are you going to take the bus? How are you getting to and from wherever you're going? Mom said, we're going to do the nickel machines at the casino, which they do every anniversary, and when they're done with their whole $20 of nickels, and they come home. And however long that takes, we will be home Saturday evening late when the $20 worth of nickels is gone, it's time for us to come home. In the meantime, Daniel knew all of this, and Daniel also had a key to the house. He had a key mm -hmm. to the house because at that short moment in time, mother and father were desperate, desperate for a bathroom in their basement because that's where they spent a lot of time. And there was a very long 18 steps that were very narrow and typical for both of them with their health issues. So they simply asked all seven children, seven adult children, you know, we're going to have a basement, just a shower, a little toilet put into the basement. It appears that the only one that can help us, because everybody else is out of state, the one brother owns a roofing company, he's on the roof all the time. The only one that was free is the police chief, my baby brother. But he said he'll do it. He started the project. He upset my mother in particular, not so much my father, but my mother, because he said to her, now listen carefully to what I'm saying. It goes to character or lack thereof. You need to pay me for labor. Well, that was reasonable. If, if Daniel, the police chief, didn't have any money, you need to pay me for labor, but don't forget labor and material. Labor was my mother's response. Labor, you're going to charge me, my son, to pay for labor for you to build a little toilet and a little shower stall in the bathroom after I've taken care of you your entire life and changed your diaper and so on and so forth. And he was angry because she was upset and she didn't have any hesitation whatsoever to call her sister, adult sister, 76 years old, and tell her, my son wants me to pay labor on top of material. Am I being unreasonable as his mother by being upset about it? Her own sister said, no, he should be doing everything for free. So no, you're not being unreasonable. So to make sure she was not being unreasonable, she called her very best friend, Auntie Kay and Auntie Catherine, uh, Auntie Kay and Auntie, um, another aunt, and asked the same question, Grace. And they both said the same thing. You're not being unreasonable. I don't know why he's charging you at all. What that led into is Daniel bringing in a Cuban individual who made the hair on the back of your neck stand up in his parents' home, our parents' home, to finish the job, to finish the job. That's a very important information. These two people, the youngest police chief's son and this stranger who's Cuban. I happened to be in for Easter vacation the very last time I saw my mother and my father. Mom asked me to do some things around there, uh, organize her basement, and I said, absolutely happy to do so. She had baskets and baskets and baskets, wall and wall of flowers that she would use in arrangements to make for her friends and neighbors. Melinda, what year are we lock looking at here? For what my family, year? 2006. Um, this, this is the year you're describing when all this came down. 
October 22nd, 2006. Okay, wow. Well, 12 years ago. And I've been fighting. I've been fighting every day since because this is my mother and this is my father. And when you consider what was done to them, my mother, remember, my mother got this odd phone call. What are you doing during your anniversary weekend, day, night? Who's going with you? All of that. Odd phone call because they hadn't seen in a while. What happened is when they came home Saturday night, somebody was waiting for them, somebody who had a key. Daniel had a key because Daniel was given a key to assist and expedite the building of the toilet room for them so they wouldn't have to scurry upstairs when they could barely walk and they moved very slowly. This would make things more convenient. So Danny had the key. Danny also knew that my mother had 10 cocktail rings given to her over the years by a variety of family members and friends, each one very valuable. The one I had gifted to her was $8,000. My father bought her an anniversary ring, and that one there was $12,000, just to show you what these rings are worth. Mm -hmm. That's the only Mm -hmm. thing my mother seemed to enjoy was her beautiful cocktail rings. She always wore all 10 of them unless, unless, she was holding one of the babies, and then she would take two of them off that had raised stones because she was afraid to scratch the babies. And she'd put them back on when the babies went home. So mom had always worn every single day those 10 cocktail rings, even if she was doing dishes. Those were things that made her happy. In the meantime, they also had five envelopes. Two of them had $10,000 each for burial purposes, remaining bills, because they did not want their adult children to suffer financially because they felt they needed to take care of themselves. That's the way we were all raised, and that's the way they were raised. So in the meantime, Mm -hmm. Daniel knew, we all knew about those five envelopes. They were hidden in different spots. One in particular, mom kind of kept from dad because all women have spending money. So that was the fifth envelope, not kept for mm-hmm. the others. In the meantime, they come home. Somebody's waiting for them. My mother was forced to go in the guest bedroom to lay on a mattress. My mother must have started to take a shower before the killer presented himself because she was stark naked and forced to lay on this guest bed in the guest room. Melinda, where, where is the uh, the dialogue of this information coming from? Because uh, it, it sounds like you've done extensive forensic research uh, both before, during, and after this event. Uh, oh yeah. Are, are you are you uh, you're almost like setting the scene of an observer observing something, right? <clears throat> That's the only way I can tell the terrible situation that okay. they found themselves in by treating it as a story. And okay, okay, got it. And confirmation came from, um, to really cement your question, confirmation of what I'm about to tell you came from a very reliable source that is a very trained FBI agent. My mother was stabbed 63 times. Now, throughout history, any stabbing as severe as one is, let alone three, and 23, and 33, 63 times shallow, shallow cuts into her back shoulder and her back neck area, shallow. The reason why shallow, according to the coroner, who I spoke to in great length, it was so that she would feel the first cut as hard as well as painful, as painful, as the 63rd 
cut, and she oh went in, in and out of consciousness. Can you imagine someone doing this to any woman, let alone their own mother? And can you imagine what she thought when her own child was doing this to her and she couldn't stop him and she was not able to get any help? Because my father was in his recliner, remember? He's missing a right leg, rippling Mm -hmm. rheumatoid arthritis in both his hands. This man cannot move unless he tries to move. This is a very narrow recliner. So he tried to move to the right to get to his wheelchair to defend and protect his wife. And someone shot him in the side, and he fell back into the wheelchair, still trying a second time to get out. Someone stood in front of him and shot him in the abdomen, a direct hit to his stomach. The person that did that, according to the medical examiner, turned my father's insides into hamburger meat. And he suffered for a very, very long time. That is not an immediate death. That is a very long, lingering, painful death. Mom, with 63 shallow stab wounds to her back neck with a small, jagged edge paring knife, Mom suffered a very long, lingering, painful death. That tells the most inexperienced homicide detective that this is personal and this is family. If not family, someone very, 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 very close, like an uncle, a cousin, a neighbor. That being said, all this information can be found on John Benet's truecasehistory.net under Shattered Shields, which is in the far right corner, and then there's two subtitles, Babbage Homicides. The entire story and everything I am telling you in great detail is listed over there. But I had received a phone call, actually three separate phone calls from one individual. His name is Agent Kearney, K-E-A-R-N-Y or N-E-Y, and FBI Agent Kearney has been an FBI agent for over 30 years, and he told me, Melinda, your brother is the only one who could have killed your parents. And I said, I do know that, but I want you to tell me how come you know that. What are you basing that on? He said, quite simply, I read your website. I read Shattered Shields, Babbage Homicide. I read the book about John Bonet's true case history and all the other things you're talking about. I read it. I dissected it. And I will tell you this, if you back away from the JonBenet Ramsey case, I'll help you prove your brother did it. I'll help you put him in jail. But what? Must... Yes. No. Yes. Why would, he, why would he make that conditional offer? I can tell you that too. He sent me a copy of his information, his fact-finding information, and he was running in a different direction as to who killed John Bonet. He was focusing on the mother and father, as most police officers and police agencies were doing that during mm-hmm. the early days of the John Bonet investigation, as a matter of fact, the early years of the investigation. And he said, your information about the intruder goes against his information about mother and father as 
the persons who killed their own daughter in the house because they were the only adult there. And so he said, again, I'm going to ask you. He asked me three times, three different phone calls, three different contacts. Again, I will ask you if you will please back off entirely of the job and a case. Get it off your website. Don't put out any more ads to whoever might be able to help you. Just stop all communication about this particular murder case. I will help you prove your brother did it, and then I will help you put him in jail. And I said, no. I will not risk one case for the sake of the other. I will just do what I need to do for both of them because I have help. You, the members of American Underground Network, I was talking about you. I was talking about Douglas Millar, CEO of Unite for Justice. I was talking about Dr. Melvin Laney Esquire out of Washington, D.C. So I knew with all of you as my solid backup, I did not wow. have to take his offer. I did not. Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. But one more phone call came from him, and this is what he said. He said, since it's very clear that you will not back off the John Bonet case, I am obligated as a law enforcement officer to tell you what you need to know to prove that Daniel Babbage is the murderer and the only murderer of your mother and your father, and you just keep putting the information out there until he no longer has the clout. <clears throat> and the protection of higher authorities, and then once he is dethroned, I like to say, that's the time to bring the information forward, and the authority will have no choice but to cooperate with you and investigate him. So I said, all right, tell me what I need to know. And he said, when your brother, months earlier, the police chief, the Lyons, Illinois police chief, Daniel Babbage, removed all of Dad's weapons because he said, my mom and dad, our parents, if there was a break-in. Interesting he should say that since he's the one that broke in months later. If there's a break-in, the weapons can be used against you, mom, and you, dad. It is better that they're not here and you don't use them anyway. Dad, you can't use them. Your hands are crippled. Mom, you don't know how to use them. You end up killing dad and yourself. So he finally got what he has always wanted, the entire gun collection that was meant to be heirlooms from my father to a variety of his seven children and his many, many, many grandchildren. He stole the whole collection? He he didn't steal them. Wait, wait, that's important. What he did was he convinced mom and dad they need to be removed. So mom reluctantly said yes, and she waited till dad was at the doctor's, and she told him to remove them because she felt like dad would not go along with it, but she was full of fear now because Danny said, if there's going to be a break-in, those weapons will be used against you. So they really shouldn't be here. And so mom said, okay, go ahead, but take them now. My sister Diana, the oldest of seven, she was there in the house cleaning the house, preparing the house for my mom's friends that were going to come over that following weekend because she was going to have an arts and crafts so she made arrangements for everybody, and a few could be bought if they wanted to. That was the way mom and dad made a little bit of extra money. She was still gifted in that area. Her hands were working, unlike dad's. So my sister was there to help wash the floors and dust everything and make room for the arrangements for all our relatives to come if they wanted to. Daniel shows up knocking on the door, and Diana's a little irritated that he's there because they have a lot to do. Mom being the guiding light for Diana as to what needs to be done in priority order. 
So mom said, your brother let him in. Danny came in. He said, I'm here for um, dad's collection, all of it, and I need to make sure I take all of it. Diana looked outside, the oldest of seven, and she saw his police chief squad car parked in front of the house with the back trunk opened. And he's in full uniform as a police chief. And so she asked him, what are you doing here? My sister said, what are you doing here? Mom wants me to take all the gun collections and remove them out of the house so nothing will happen to mom and dad during a home break-in, and I'll put them Mm -hmm. in my house. Uh Uh-huh. I'll put them in my house, the entire collection. So where are they, Mom? Mom says they're in Daddy's closet, in the bedroom, off to the far left. Everything is in one spot. So he took three trips in front of my mother and in front of my sister. Some of them were already in cases, the shotguns. So it was easy to turn around and take two, three of them and lay them safely in the back of his trunk. He came back in quickly because the trunk is open. And he grabbed some more of the shotguns, went back, laid them. The third trip was for the smaller weapons, and he took them back. Then he said to my mother and my sister, are you sure I have everything from Dad's gun collection from over the years? Is there any other place in the house where he would put one or two? Mom said, no, he always keeps everything in the same spot. That's his corner, and that's where they were behind his work clothes when he used to work. He says, okay, so I have them all, yes. And then she stopped him cold, dead in his track, before he left for the final trip. She said, listen, you're not going to hand those in, are you? Are we going to lose them as family heirlooms? That would really break Dad's heart, and I'm not real happy about it either. Daniel said, no, I'm taking them to my home. She said, but you have children. You have young children. Now, as a grandmother, I'm very afraid they're going to hurt themselves if they get a hold of them. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lock them up in my home along with my own personal gun collection. The children will not get them. Okay, so now who has complete ownership, custody, and control of the entire gun collection that used to be my father's? Only one person. Lyons, Illinois, Police Chief Daniel Babich. And who's wearing a uniform that has a gold police chief button? Police chief Daniel Babich. So as my mother is being stabbed 63 times, and my father was already shot twice, so he's bleeding out in his recliner, and she is screaming and bellowing because she's in severe pain, my father, who is dying, has to listen to his wife's cry for help, and there's nothing he can do because he is already seriously wounded and dying. So when this murderer, who was sitting on my mother and stabbing her 63 shallow times because he wasn't quite ready for her to die until he stabbed her the 63rd time, And then she died. However, in her struggle to let someone, anyone, know who did this to her, this incredible woman managed to pull a gold police chief's button off the shirt of her attacker. And she held that button in her fist with such power and force and determination that in her death, 
her hand. Her fist was locked closed with the secret inside. <clears throat> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They the found medical. the button in her, 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 her clasped hand? The medical examiner did. In <clears throat> the arrogance of the murderer, a.k.a. Police Chief Daniel Babbage, what he did was, now remember, uh, actually I didn't tell you this, the McCook, Illinois Police Department is literally, if you look across my mother's house, it's on the other side of the block, a very short block is across her house, and at the end of that short block on the other side of it is the police department. It isn't walking distance. Even my mother could do that. No, well, and wait a minute. She was, she was in Lyons, but your brother was, was McCook. I mean, your brother was Lyons. But yes. Were, okay. What jurisdiction did your parents fall under? My parents should have been processed and investigated by the McCook, Illinois Police Department. McCook is an industry area with only five homes. The one home is my mother and father's in McCook, Illinois. They had jurisdiction right next to them, if you're looking at their house, is the mayor's parents. What is the address, what is the address of your parents' house? I knew you were going to ask me that. Let me think about that because okay. it's not it's not a place I, I like to go. Uh, let me think. All right, all right. No, 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 no problem. So anyway, if you old, if you if you Google the McCook McCook Police Department, if you yep. Google McCook Police Department, then they're literally a short, and I mean very very short block away, Riverside. The address is Riverside. All right, you know I'll Google it myself. Um, but anyway, mom and dad. McCook Police Department. Uh, let's see. I'm 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 calling it up here. All right, uh, McCook Police Department. Well, that's all right off the of Joliet Road. Well, it's right off 171. It's right adjacent to 171. Yes, and isn't there a street Riverside? Can you see the street Riverside if you map? Well. Okay, I see. It's a fifty West Fiftieth Street is the East West Street, and uh, it's no Glencoe Avenue. Uh, let me just do this. I mean that that's a pretty busy uh, thoroughfare, one seventy one North South. There, I, I've driven that many times. Okay, it you're near heads it. Down to, it heads down to I fifty five. Joliet Road is just to the south. I'm Googling it, actually.
Linda, is your brother still the police chief? Uh, what had happened since then was that Daniel was demoted multiple times from police chief to first okay. captain, from first captain to uh, right now, uh, last I heard, he answers the telephone. So that means that anyone who calls to inquire about the murder of Walter and Dorothy Babbage is literally speaking to Daniel Babbage. And most people don't know that. Wow. So, so what has happened is when my mother and father were, were murdered, when they were murdered, my mother uh, must not have been dead yet, like not quite yet, dying process. Daniel turned on the gas to the building so that when the fire department showed up and everyone else, they would not be able to go in right away. He flooded their house with gas. He knew where the heater was. He knew how to shut it off. And his fingerprints, I am real sure they were on that nozzle. On, on top of that, a bloody, bloody handprint, a whole handprint was on the side of the refrigerator. You couldn't miss it. It's as though somebody was balancing themselves by putting their bloody handprint, which means mom had already been stabbed 63 times, and they were now looking for those envelopes. They may have found three or four of them, but elders tend to hide money wrapped in aluminum foil in their freezer. They think that's a safe spot. For the mm -hmm. most part, it probably is. Mm -hmm. But this person, a police chief, would know that, wouldn't he? And he balanced himself because the freezer is the bottom part of the refrigerator. So he mm -hmm. had to pull that out. And they normally keep a lot of things in there, like keep it full, because it was very difficult to do grocery shopping. So when she did mm -hmm. it, she really spilled it. So he had to pull a lot of things out, balance himself, and then throw it all back in so nobody would know why or if that freezer had ever been open. But if somebody would have just looked at that bloody handprint, taken a picture of it, and then checked to see if it's Daniel Babbage, their youngest son's handprint, or is it Walter's handprint? Our father couldn't be. He couldn't open his hand fully. He could barely open it beyond a fist. Mm -hmm. Or was Dorothy's? No. She was laying dead on the bed in the guest room. It wasn't hers. In the meantime, and it appeared to be a man's hand. So in the meantime, someone who I work with on other matters contacted me and said, are you aware of the fact that the police, McCook, Illinois, who had jurisdiction, are you aware of the fact that they can simply take that picture now that's in um, the file and they can still see if it's Daniel's? And wouldn't he have some explanation to do? Because what happened is the gas was lit, somebody had blown out, so therefore the house is full of gas. Daniel Babbage called the neighboring, you know, his police officers from the Lyons, Illinois Police Department. So outside my mother's home and father's home, our parents, is the police department out of jurisdiction from Lyons, Illinois. Daniel has been at the McCook Police Department a few times. He knew it was literally a very short block 
away from mom and dad, literally on the other side of the block across the street from them. Mom and dad were by the park. And there's a little child's park there. And then you have the mayor's house. And then you have my mother and father's house. And then on the corner, 55, I believe you called that, on 55, there's some sort of a, a tavern, bar, or something like that. Those are the only three buildings by the little park. So in the meantime, an investigative officer, probably internal affairs from McCook, showed up. And he said to Daniel Savage, why were you in that house for several hours? I don't know how he found this out but he did, prior to you even calling your own police department when you know where we are, just across that street, you should have called us first. Why were you in that house for a couple of hours? You left the house. You called your own police department out of jurisdiction, and eventually we were included because the fire department brought us on board and somebody leaked the information that there was a tragedy right here in our own backyard. Why? Daniel didn't answer him. Then Daniel walked away from him. This is the internal affairs officer who's asking the next magic question. Daniel, do you have a key to your mother and father's house? And Daniel walked away, wouldn't answer him, wouldn't look at him. And the officer, internal affairs officer, a senior, yelled louder. Daniel Babbage, are you sure you don't have a key to your family's house? I'm asking you a question. Don't walk away. Daniel mm. continues to walk further away. This is in front of my sister, the firstborn, and my brother, Walter, that this questioning is going on because things had to happen quickly. McCook was trying to take control of the investigation, knowing they're already late to the party, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Daniel's still walking away. Can you imagine walking away from an internal affairs officer? Why would you do that? McCook, internal affairs officer. So finally, this man yelled to Daniel as he's walking further away, don't let me find out you have a key to your mother and father's house. Now, why was this so important? Because there was no fourth century. Somebody was waiting for them. Somebody Mm -hmm. brought into the home where there was no shotguns because Daniel removed them. Daniel was the new owner. Daniel had custody and control and care of that entire gun collection. How is it two of the most worn, used, oldest of that collection found their way back into the house to be used against my father, our father? He being shot not once, but twice in the abdomen. Was that a shotgun? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Jesus. Yes. So the FBI agent, he said to me, not only that your brother had custody control, was the new owner, and had care of the entire gun collection, therefore, unless there is a police report from where he lives that someone broke into his house and stole two of the shotguns, which he said, I already checked, there isn't. That means Uh that the only person that could have shot your father with his own shotguns, adding insult to injury, was in fact Daniel Babbage, the new owner of the entire gun collection. And he said, and let me bring up one other point, Melinda Kula. Let me just tell you that from my point of view as an FBI agent, your brother controlled the investigation even though he should have been told hands off. 
Why? Because all siblings are, let's just say, people to look at until they can be ruled out because they have a satisfactory alibi. He said, you and your husband were in New Jersey. Your sister was in Bolingbrook, Illinois, and she's pretty much, you know, elderly, and it's hard for her to get around. She has aches and pains, so we know it wasn't her. Your other sister was out of state. Your other sister was in southern Illinois. So that just left your brother. He was on top of a roof closing in uh, commercial property. We know it wasn't him. And your other brother is in the Marines. He was elsewhere. The only one left of the seven siblings who could have done this is, in fact, your baby brother, the Lions, Illinois Police Chief Daniel Babbage. He had control over an investigation which he should have never been allowed to have hands on. And how did he control the investigation so well? When everybody showed up, Daniel said to everybody, my father, my father, he killed my mother and then himself. And everybody felt so bad for this poor young man who just lost his mother and his father at the hands of my father. Oh, that man who had crippling rheumatoid arthritis in both his hands? Oh, that man who had no custody of any weapons whatsoever, but Daniel did, and somehow by a miracle, two of them found their way back into the home to be used against these two helpless, defenseless elders, our parents? Nobody questioned that. The FBI came on board because my oldest sister and I kept hounding the McCook police for a theft report. We were ignorant to how important that was. We just knew that things were missing, and if they were accounted for, then we could then maybe find the killer. Because it took us a little while to figure out, well, my sister, it took her a while to figure out it was Daniel. I sensed it right away. Within three days, I felt 100% it was Daniel. Too many things weren't adding up. And who knows their family better than the second born who helped raise that little puppy. In the meantime, we're asking the McCook, Illinois Police Department for a theft report. There's five envelopes missing. There's seven separate coin collections missing. There is uh, the 10 cocktail rings are missing. She wore a necklace, my mother, from Italy. And the chain was from Italy. And the cloth was very, very ornate. And my father, she bought him a necklace, and that was missing. All of that was missing. Those are valuables. A theft report should have been required, and it will help us find out who killed mom and dad. Well, they wouldn't give it to us. They flatly refused. And the investigative officer, Investigator Browder, told me flat out within six weeks of our still trying to get a theft report, you will never get a theft report because that means that we are going to be in a lot of trouble for what should have been done, but we did not do because in the beginning, your brother said that your father killed your mother and then himself. I said, oh, so what you're telling me is you know he lies. Hmm. Well, you're going to find out he had a key and he told you he didn't. You're going to find out that she had 10 rings because now his next lie was, my mother and father never had 10 cocktail rings. Well, mom, cocktail rings, both of them, necklaces. So if Linda, Melinda, cannot come up with receipts for these items, then who's to say? Who's telling the truth? My sister? 
or myself. I'm telling you she didn't have ten cocktail rings that she wore all the time. Of course, one of them was a clada, clada, I think it's called, a man's clada I had made, I had ordered for her. It's man-sized because my mother had big hands. In the meantime, because he said that, we pushed further and we said, if you do not give us ASAP report for the five envelopes, the seven coin collections, the ten cocktail rings, I will contact the FBI, FBI myself. They'd already been there, but they, sent, they were sent away. McCook said, we don't need you. We need to deal with this ourselves, that this is not a home break-in with theft of valuables. If there is a home break-in with theft of valuables, what that means is then the FBI must be brought in because now, because of a burglary home break-in, you have murder. That means the FBI can be invited in or just take over the case. That's why they would not give us the theft report. In the meantime, now I'm threatening Investigator Browder that I'll call the FBI myself and I'll tell them everything I know. So he called up Daniel's wife and said to Carmen, if you don't tell me where those blankety-blank rings are, I'll arrest you and then I'll find your husband and I will arrest him because I will not be playing with the FBI. And that's what's going to happen if I don't know where those rings are because the two girls are insisting on theft reports. And once they have that, they can bring in on their own the FBI. But it took getting those theft reports. Danny's wife, under threat of being arrested, said, oh, well, they're here. They're in this box. They're in our home. They're under lock and key. They've been here all along. And Investigator Browder from the McCook, Illinois Police Department said, so you've been lying to me for three months? What else are you lying about? But he knows they were lying about the key because he asked my Aunt Catherine, my mother's best friend for many, many years, we just simply called her Auntie, I'm sorry, Auntie Grace, and he asked Aunt Kay, also equal in my mother's age, are you sure there's something you want to tell me about a key? They both said, oh, yeah, Daniel was the only one beside Dorothy and Wally who had a key to that house. He had a key to the house? Oh, absolutely, because he was putting in the little toilet. It would expedite <coughs> the build of the toilet. So, of course, they gave him a key. Besides, he's in the police department 17 minutes from the house. He could go drop by, do a little bit of work anytime he wanted to when they didn't need him at the police department. So it seemed to make sense. So now Investigator Browder was told by Kay Misandria as well as Grace Jolowick that Daniel lied about something very important. He had a key. So he could be the one that broke in, robbed the valuables, put all necessary paperwork in a very large garbage bag to bring to his house. And it was witnessed that he and his wife destroyed the contents, the complete contents of an entire file cabinet that had all of our parents' bills and important documents, ownership of the vehicle, title to the house, which was paper, by the way, all of that, Daniel destroyed it and reduced a large file cabinet, a complete large black garbage bag, which you usually use for leaves, to tell you how big that was, and he reduced it to two pieces of paper. I couldn't even tell you what those two pieces of paper were. In the meantime, he brought them to the gathering of the family three days later, and this is what Police Chief Daniel Babbage said to all of his siblings only 
three days later. They were found in the home on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. They were moved from the home. The gathering of the family was Wednesday because we had to get our brother away from the military and a, a special leave request to visit um, and decide what needed to be done. Three days later, Danny walks in. Everybody's still waiting for the peacock. And he said, as clear as a bell and with such certainty, don't worry about the house. I already have an attorney who will handle the closing of the house because I already have two people who have been very interested in buying the house for a very long time now. And oh, by the way, I do have a friend of mine who is a real estate agent who will handle the sale of the house and cooperate with my friend, the attorney, in the closing. And I do have someone who is a friend of mine who will evaluate the coin collection in my presence, of course. And then his wife chimed in with, and don't worry about their checking account, their savings account, and all their financial assets at the bank, because I have two friends who work at their bank in Riverside, and one is a manager and one is a clerk, and they will help Daniel and I, but only Daniel and I, have access, complete access, to mom and dad's finances, the money, the savings account, bank account, all of that. But the rest of you will not be able to have access. And Daniel looked at me, knowing that I was going to be the sore, the sore thorn in his side for the rest of his life. And Daniel said, and no, there's no will. So I'm just doing this because before mom and dad said, I'm supposed to do this. I said, oh, the youngest child? Not the firstborn, Diana? Not the firstborn of the sons, Ronald? You, the youngest child, have all this authority, and yet nothing is in writing. And oh, by the, by the way, with the two clerks, one is a manager and one is a clerk, at Riverside Bank is allowing his criminal behavior. And all these people you have lined up, the lawyer, the real estate agent, the people who are going to buy mom and dad's house, the one to evaluate the coin collection, and God only knows where the coin collection is. This is all gathered in three days of their murder. How is that possible? And he walked out of the meeting. But my point was made to everyone else in the room, except everyone else was in their own hell that we lost both our parents. So they were not conscious of what happened between my brother and I. And that's fine. I'm the fighter in the family. They are not. And we've been dealing with this every day. Now that a different FBI agent, and this one here came from Illinois, not the other one, not Kearney. He came from California. The one from Illinois, when I continually called them for help, he was an incredibly kind, nice black gentleman who said to me, listen, we already know the entire story about your mother and father and Daniel Babbage. We already know that. However, if I may give you advice since you don't know who I am, I'm going to give you solid advice, and if anybody asks me, I'm going to deny it. While your brother is the police chief, you will never take him down. You will never prove that he did any of this because as police chief, he has the protection of the attorneys who are there to represent the police department and any other employee of any other township. I know that to be true. And he said, unless he's demoted several times to no longer being anybody in the police department but a clerk, or better yet, not even involved in the police department at all, 
you will be fighting the attorneys that are available to him for free. Do not do that. He said, and by the way, what you don't know is there are multiple governors that are protecting your brother. And I said, what are you kidding? He said, no, I'm not saying one governor. I'm saying multiple governors, one in Illinois, and oh, by the way, where do you live? I said, New Jersey. He said, that's right. He said, and one in New Jersey. I said, so what do I have to do? He said, you can ask them for help and see what happens. I asked the last two governors for help in Illinois, and they both went to jail for corruption after I visited them, after I gave them all the documentation. I begged and I pleaded for help. They wouldn't help. I was treated like a beyond a dog. And then they went to prison for corruption. Now, if that's not justice, I don't know what is. I asked the next one. He went to prison for trying to sell Obama's seat. I asked the third one. And I did indicate to him, you know, your two predecessors went to prison for corruption. Are you going to help me or is it because you're going to end up in prison yourself? And he didn't answer me except on the Internet. He did say yes. What does that mean? Yes, you're going to end up in prison or yes, you're going to help me. He didn't help. In the meantime, I find out that the governor, the FBI agent was talking about here in New Jersey was Governor McGreevy. We had our own problems with this man. He had to step down because he seemed to like little boys. Do you see where I'm going? The problem for justice in reference to the major meth lab is corruption. The problem for justice in reference to my mother and father who've been slaughtered, and there is no other way for being stabbed 63 times, a 75-year-old helpless, defenseless elder, and my father, a 75-year-old helpless, defenseless, crippled elder, was shot twice in the abdomen with a full-barrel shotgun. Corruption allowed Daniel Babbage to strong-arm Police Chief Wolf in McCook, Illinois, to say to the medical examiner, who was a very, very young woman, I prefer this case be closed, that Walter Babbage committed suicide after he killed Dorothy. That's what I prefer. Now, this man sounded like you were talking to General Patton. That's exactly his tone, and I know that because I've spoken to him several times. And he bullied the medical examiner, who was very young, into doing what he wanted six weeks after she kept Walter Babbage Sr.'s case open because she knew something was wrong. And I said to her, you kept his case open. You know something's wrong. Why can't you help me? And she said, listen, this is how I'm going to help you. I will tell you what is wrong. You remember it. I think she was worried that something would happen to her. That's the feeling I got. She was scared. She said, the shotgun should have been across the room if your father shot himself. It's a shotgun. It has recoil effect. It was not across the room halfway into the, di- the living room area. It was very gently laid by his side, as if someone had respect for the gun but not for your father. Gently laid by his side. It was not as it should have been ricocheted across the room because of recoil effect. She said, that's number one. That bloody handprint is bothering her. And she said, but I received a phone call Monday morning from your sister. You may not know about the phone call yet. Talk to your sister, Diane, the firstborn. You are the secondborn. She said, your sister called me and your sister said that she received a phone call just moments earlier, 9 a.m., Monday morning, That's when they were doing autopsies, 
for mom and dad, mom first, dad second. When they, the medical examiner received the phone call, Dinah was very upset, Dinah was angry, Dinah was hysterical. And the medical examiner said, what is wrong? And Diana said, I need to ask you one question. Is it true? This is so important, ladies and gentlemen. Is it true that dad was shot twice in the abdomen with a full barrel shotgun and mom was stabbed 63 times? Is that true? The medical examiner said, let's talk about your mother. Where did you get that exact number from? 63. And she said, while you're thinking very clearly about the answer, I'm going to go get her file. So the medical examiner took off, brought back the file, and Dinah could hear her running, and Dinah could hear her throw open a metal file cabinet and slam it shut and come running back to the phone. The woman said, you tell me this call that you got from your brother, what time was it? And she said, 9 a.m. She said, are you sure it was 9 a.m.? Do you think maybe it could have been 9.20? Do you think maybe it could have been maybe 10.20? No, I know for a fact it was 9 a.m. because I had to leave the house. I was still going to go to work because I couldn't stand being here because I did nothing but cry. So I know it was 9 o'clock sharp. As a matter of fact, our phone records will verify it. She said, you remember that because how is it your brother knew what even I did not know until I completed the autopsy on your mother. I thought originally, just at first glance, there were two shotguns next to your father. I assumed one was used on your father, one was used on your mother's back and back of her neck and her shoulder because she was so messed up. There was blood absolutely everywhere. There was serious damage as if she had been hit with a shotgun. But when I cleaned her up, I realized she'd been stabbed and now it was a matter of how many times. And I had to count, this is the medical examiner, I had to count each and every stab wound. And I could tell if one crossed over another. And I had to count twice, both of them. So she said, how is it your brother at 9 a.m. Monday morning is telling you, calm yourself when you find out from the medical examiner that mom had been stabbed 63 times and dad had been shot twice. And then she added, nobody, nobody but the medical examiner knew that mom, dad had been shot twice. How is it Daniel knew that at 9 a.m. Monday morning? So she said very clearly, I want you and your sister to remember something. Only the murderer would know that your mother had 63 stab wounds, only the murderer would know your father was shot twice. Just forever remember that. And we thanked her for the information and nothing else could come of it because we could not get, until this day, we cannot get the cooperation of the McCook, Illinois Police Department, and especially the Lyons, Illinois Police Department. So now Lyons, Illinois receives a new they're called presidents of the town versus what we would call mayor. And I spoke to that person who happened to be the insurance company, Getty. It was his son who is now the president of Lyons, Illinois Township. And I said to him, you need to keep an eye on Daniel Babbage because I wholeheartedly believe, and I would bet my life on it, that he's the murderer of my mother and father. And before I could go any further, he said to me, I suspected 
And my father, who's known your parents for many, many, many years, suspected Daniel Babbage from the very beginning had something to do with the murder of your parents. But we couldn't prove it, and you're just now giving us all the information we need on the website. Again, the problem is corruption, which is why we can't get any assistance at all from anybody. This My is like corruption. But there's something that links. Oh yeah, there's something that links my mother and father's case to the John Bonet case. That's okay. why I started backwards. When Bill Ramsey changed his address, the murderer of John Bonet, who lived out here in Ocean County, New Jersey, for mm, 20 years in Manahawkin, New Jersey, to be specific. Every time he moved in Manahawkin since the murder of John Bonet, I felt the need to tell my brother, the police chief, in case anything happened to me, I wanted him to always have the address of Bill Ramsey, the most current address, so he could go and knock on that door and investigate my death at probably Bill Ramsey's hands. Never imagine that I was giving Daniel a tool that he was...
remember him. He was.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.